Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. So we look to the Old Testament for examples. So David's life gives us examples of a relentless life, of a successful life, of an obedient life, an adventurous life, a passionate life, a life of humility a life of zeal for the house of God, and a life of purpose, right? The life of David. So once King Saul and Jonathan die in battle, we're jumping around, right? We're on week eight, okay? David becomes king. So David was running from Saul, right, honoring Saul, but now David becomes king. David triumphs in every battle because the Lord is with him. God is with him. David puts his trust in God. He has a relationship with God. David desires to build God a beautiful temple. David keeps his covenant promise with Jonathan's son even though Jonathan is dead. He made a covenant with a promise, a commitment to Jonathan. Jonathan dies, he could just walk away. But no, he keeps his word. He keeps his word. He keeps his promises, right? Even though Jonathan is dead. Then we see that David, he gets a little comfy. He gets a little cozy. He straight up gets a little bored with all his victory. Anybody been there? It's just like, life is good. Life is comfy. Life is easy. And you get what? Chunky monkey. You get like, what is it, that relation 15 or whatever it is, you know? Just like, this is what a good relationship does to you. No, it doesn't. <laughs> so we've all been there, right? He gets a little comfy, he gets a little cozy, and he gets bored. He gets bored with all these victories. Second Samuel 11, 1. Then it happened in the spring, at the time when the kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all the fighting men of Israel. And they destroyed the Amorites and besieged Rabbah, Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. Y'all see this? David was chilling. He was comfy. He was cozy. He was on his little snuggly couch, right? He's got that comforter on. At the time when the kings go out to battle, something's amiss, right? Anyone been there, right? Chilling in a time you should be doing. Chilling in a time you should be doing. Scrolling in a time you should be cleaning scrolling you know you're just scrolling let me just look up this how to clean this no put your phone down because you're going to be scrolling in a time you should be studying right anybody's supposed to be studying for a test studying for a paper studying the bible studying for your future you should be studying and what are we doing scrolling in a time uh we should be working how many of you get paid by a job and you scrolling you are paid by a company and you are scrolling, you know? If, we could, if your boss actually saw your screen time, you may be fired, okay? Scrolling in a time of do, where you should be doing, right? Anybody been bored out your mind? <laughs> bored, so bored. In a time you should be sowing into your future. In a time you should be sowing into your future. 
We want to be prepared, and God is always preparing us for what is coming. We just need to listen. We need to hear and obey. We need to be doing what we're supposed to be doing, right? We've all been there, and this never leads to anything good, anything great, right? Being lazy, comfy, scrolling. There's a time of rest. Good. Those are rare. <laughs> Anybody? This is some rare times, right? All right, let's jump back into the word. 2 Samuel 11, 2. One late afternoon, look at your neighbor say late in the afternoon, David got up from taking a nap. <laughs> David straight gets up off the couch. He's taking a nap. It's that 3 p.m., 4 p.m. He was strolling on the roof of the palace. When is this a time? This is a time when he's supposed to be in war. This is a time when the kings go out to battle. But he's over here chilling. He's chilling on the roof of the palace. From his vantage point on the roof, he saw a woman taking a bath. If you be scrolling and you see somebody taking a bath, you better keep on a moving. The woman was stunningly beautiful. David sent to ask about her. You know, he just slid in them DMs. How you doing? How's it going? He's checking her status. Does it say married or single? Checking her status. Is she available? Ready to mingle? And then David sent to ask about her. He was told, isn't that Bathsheba, daughter of Eliam, the wife? Look at your say the wife of Uriah the Hittite. David sent his agents to get her. Why? Because he's bored. He's lazy. He's comfy. He's taking a nap when he should be at war. Anybody been there? You find yourself in a mess. Why? Because you're bored. Because you are bored. All right. I'm sorry. Just it's okay. This is to encourage all of us, right? We're just looking to the example because, you know, we're just looking to the example of David. So... He sent after her, and he went to bed with her. This occurred during the time of her purification following her period. This is details in the Bible. I guess we need to know, all right? Then she returns home. Before long, she realizes she's pregnant, right? And what happened? Her husband is out to war. How did she get pregnant? Later, she sends David. She sends a message to David. David, I'm pregnant. David got in touch with Joab. He sent, send Uriah the Hittite to me. Send her husband home. And um, uh, Joab sent him because this was pre-DNA testing, okay? This is back in the day. They didn't have the little DNA test. Are you 99.9% .9 related to him? Are you 99.9% not related to him? They don't got this testing. So he's like, David thought he could just call Uriah home. Uriah would spend a few days with his wife. And then no one would ever know that that was David's baby. This is David's plan. Why? Because he's bored. He's got time to make up a plan. So when Uriah arrived, David asked him for news of the front. How's it going? How's the battle? How are things going? How's Joab? How's the troops? How's the fighting? Then he said to Uriah, go home. 
take a refreshing bath because now I know where your bath is. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> and a good night's rest. After Uriah left the palace, an informant of the king was sent after him, but Uriah did not go home. He slept that night at the palace entrance along with the king's servants. David was told Uriah didn't go home. He's out there at the door, at the gate. David asked Uriah, didn't you just come off a hard trip? So why don't you go home? Go home, Uriah replied. The chest is out there with the fighting men of Israel and Judah in tents. My master Joab and his servants are roughing it in the fields. So how can I go home and eat and drink and enjoy my wife on your life? I will never do that. I will not do that. David said, all right, have it your way. Now you have to die. No, just kidding. <laughs> but kind of, <laughs> if you know the story. <laughs> all right, have it your way. Stay for the day and I'll send you back tomorrow. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem the rest of the day. The next day, David invited him to eat and drink with him. And David got him drunk. But it, I'm telling you, you need a novella. You, this is the stuff you like. You don't need. You don't need Netflix. You don't need to chill. You just need to open the Bible. Okay. Here's the examples that we should not do. <laughs> David got him drunk, but in the evening, Uriah again, even with his drunk self, went out, slept with his master's servants at the door because he did not go home. In the morning. David wrote a letter to Joab, and he sent this letter with Uriah. And in the letter, he wrote, put, you know what, Uriah maybe should have opened the letter. <laughs> he didn't. He's a faithful servant. Put Uriah in the front lines where the fighting is the fiercest. Then pull back and leave him exposed so that he's sure to be killed. This is the letter Uriah is taking to Joab, taking this faithful servant. So Joab, holding the city under siege, put Uriah in the place where he knew there would be fierce enemy fighters. When the city defenders came out to fight Joab, some of David's soldiers were killed. So now more than one, including Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent David a full report on the battle. He instructed the messenger, okay, after you have given the king all the details of this report on the battle, he's about to get mad. He is going to be angry. And when he flares up with this anger, say to him, and by the way, <laughs> by the way, your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead. So Joab's messenger arrives in Jerusalem and gave the king a full report. He said, the enemy was far too much for us. They advanced on us in the open field, and we pushed them back to the city gate. But then arrows came in hot and heavy on us from the city wall, and 18 of your king's servants are dead. 18 of your king's servants are dead. When the messenger completed his report of the battle, David got angry. He was angry with Joab. How could he let this happen? How could he let 18? He vented it on the messenger. Why did you get so close to the city? 
Didn't you know that you'd be attacked from the wall? Don't you remember that others got killed there? Wasn't it a woman who dropped a milestone on one guy and from the wall and crushed him? Why did you go that close? And the messenger remembered. By the way, by the way, said Joab's messenger, your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead. Guess what happens? Then David told the messenger, oh, I see. I see. Okay. His anger's just suddenly gone. You know, that novella where it says, gasp in Spanish. <gasps> David had that moment. <gasps> I see. No pasa nada. Está bien, está bien, está bien. Oh, I see. You tell Joab. Don't trouble yourself over this. War kills sometimes one, sometimes another. You never know who's next. Redouble your assault on that city and you destroy them. And I need you to encourage Joab. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she grieved for her husband. When the time of mourning was over, David sent someone to bring her to his house, and her grieving must have been over because she became his wife and bore him a son, right? But God was not pleased with David, and God was not pleased with what he had done. So this is what we're going to see how David recovers from this. This is the example, his recovery. He has picked himself up off the floor, repent, and change directions change directions. He understands that he needs to change, to take responsibility for his actions. So in 2 Samuel 12, 1, so then the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. So he comes with a story. I love this. This is the example we all need. Sometimes we need a story, right? Because we're not seeing our own faults. You know, somebody comes at you, you did this, this, and this. No, I didn't. Um, yes, you did. But we're not watching ourselves in replay, you know. So the Lord sends Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. There were two men in a certain city. One was rich and one was dirt poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb. Just a little lamb, right? The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor only owned one. He raised it like a child. He raised this little lamb. It grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate. It drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. One day, a guest arrived at the home of the rich man. But instead of killing an animal from his own flock and his own herd, he took the poor man's little lamb and killed it and prepared it for dinner for his guest. His one little lamb, he had a herd, right? David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to that poor man for the little lamb he stole. Have no pity. And having no pity. Then Nathan said, you are the man. You, you the man. 
You are the man. David said, I'm the man. You the man. You are that man. The Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed you, David, king of Israel, saved you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. David had everything, right? Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? For you have murdered Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the Amorites, and you stole his wife, his one wife, his one little lamb. You had plenty. From this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. Because God was not pleased with what David did, right? This David's child with Bathsheba ends up dying. David's child and David's heart is broken by his actions. Once he realizes that's him, he's the man that did that, his heart is broken. Like that's repentance, not just staying broken, but God, how do I fix this? How do I fix this? In that moment when we have realization, when we messed up with our kids, with our finances, with our walk, with our integrity, with things, we need to run to Jesus. We need to run to the word. We need to run with an open relationship with God and say, how do I fix this? Because uh, we As born-again believers, the Spirit will not leave us. We will not lose our salvation. But how many know we need to do some fixing? We need to fix some relationships. We need to fix our finances. We need to fix our way of doing things with God's way of doing things. And that heart to run to the Father and say, how do I fix this? How do I fix this? How do I repair this? Right? God forgives us, but sometimes we need to repair some things. That's David's heart. He's broken by his actions, so he repents. And in Psalms 51 is a song of David written when Nathan the prophet came to him after David's sin with Bathsheba. David writes. This is so amazing to me. David writes it out. He's writing it down. He's writing this song. He's writing his prayer. He's writing his cry out to the Lord. God, be merciful to me because of your faithful love, because of your great compassion. Erase all the wrongs I have done. But thank God for the blood of Jesus because it blots out all of our sin, right? Thank you, Jesus. This is pre-Jesus time. David's doing it by faith. David's speaking it all by faith, right? Because of all the wrongs I have done. Done. Scrub away my guilt. Wash me clean from my sin. I know I have done wrong. The first step to change is recognizing you've done wrong. <laughs> you missed the mark. Right? I remember that sin all the time. I did what you said is wrong. You are the one I have sinned against. I say this that the people will know that I am wrong and you are right. Instead of blaming God, instead of blaming the church, instead of blaming the Bible that's irrelevant, instead of blaming that everybody doesn't know your situation, nobody knows what's going on, how many are ready to take responsibility? Take responsibility that we missed the mark. 
that we miss the aim of love, that we miss the goal that God had for us, but we're going to pick ourselves up, we're going to run to the Father, we're going to run to church, we're going to restore what we can restore, right? We're going to fix that broken heart. Let's go. I did what was wrong. You are the one that I've sinned against. I say this so that the people will know that I am wrong and you are right. What you decide is fair. I was born to do wrong, a sinner before I left my mother's womb. You want me to be completely loyal. So put true wisdom deep inside of me. Remove my sin and make me pure. Wash me until I'm whiter than snow. Let me hear sounds of joy and happiness again. Let the bones you crushed be happy again. Don't look at my sin. Erase them all. He's saying all of this by faith. Erase it all. God created me a pure heart and make my spirit strong again. Don't push me away or take your Holy Spirit from me. Your help, you, your help made me so happy. Give me that joy again. Make my spirit strong and ready to obey you. I will teach the guilty how you want them to live. And sinners will come back to you because God spared my life. God did it for me. He restored my family. He restored my finances. He restored my soul. Come on. He restored my mind. He restored it all. He did it for me. He'll do it for you. He's, telling, he's saying this by faith. He's like, you're going to spare me, and I'm going to tell others. I'm going to tell others that you are good. I'm going to tell others that you are faithful. Come on. How many are ready to talk about your testimony, sharing with others what God has done for you and what God can do for them? God, spare me the punishment of death. My God, you are the one who saves me. Let me sing about all the good things you do for me. My Lord, I will open my mouth and sing your praises. You don't really want sacrifice. And if you wanted sacrifice, I would give you sacrifice. The sacrifice that God wants is a humble spirit, teachable spirit, not a know-it-all religious person. Nope, when I missed it, I'll pick myself up and we do it again. We start over again, going back to his word, right? The sacrifice that God wants is a humble spirit. God, you will not turn away someone who comes with a humble heart and is willing to obey you. David, a man after God's own heart, a man after God's own heart. He humbles himself under the mighty hand of God. He takes responsibility for his actions, not blaming the church, not blaming everybody else, taking responsibility, right? And he doesn't blame God for the consequences of his actions. Yes, we are saved. Yes, we are going to heaven. But let me tell you, we will reap the consequences of the choices we make, right? If you just rack up a bunch of debt and you don't make payments, guess what's happening? They're coming for the stuff because that's called stealing, right? They're coming for the car. They're coming for the house. They're coming for, I don't know, man, this generation just be racking up debt for McDonald's. I'm like, is it really worth that interest? Guys, but okay, that's for free. Nobody's guilty at all, but we just heard crickets right now. David takes responsibility for the consequences of his actions. And David picks himself up off the floor and he moves on with his life. Loving God, loving people, and loving life. 2 Samuel 12, 20. 
Then David got up from the floor. He washed himself. He changed his clothes and he got dressed. Then he went into the Lord's house to worship. After that, he went home and he asked for something to eat. His servants gave him some food. They gave him something to eat. David's servant asked him, why are you doing this? When the baby was alive, because his baby died, you cried and refused to eat. But when the baby died, you got up and ate food. David said, while the baby was still living, I cried and refused to eat because I thought, who knows? Maybe the Lord will feel a little sorry for me and let the baby live. But now that the baby is dead, why should I refuse to eat? Why should I refuse to move on with life? Why should I refuse to keep on going? Can I bring the baby back to life? No. Someday I will go to be with him, but he cannot come back to me. Then David confronted Bathsheba, comforted Bathsheba, his wife. He slept with her again. Bathsheba becomes pregnant again, and they have another son. David named that boy Solomon, and the Lord loved Solomon. Solomon becomes king of Israel. Solomon finishes his father's heart's desire, and he builds the first temple in Jerusalem. Solomon wrote most of the book of Proverbs. You know, Proverbs, wisdom, wisdom is supreme. Wisdom is the principal thing. And all you're getting, get understanding, right? This is Solomon teaching us wisdom is supreme. Solomon also married like 700 women. Solomon married 700 royal women. He had 700 princesses. 700 royal women and 300 concubines. You know, them concubines, I don't know, this just sounds like a word, a weird word. Well, whatever. Men, let me tell you, y'all have enough problems on your hand with one woman. Imagine 1,000. I don't know where the wisdom was with that. But when your dad's on the roof, you know, some of that stuff be trickling down. <laughs> oh, anyways, that's wild. A thousand women? That's more than you can handle in a, in a year. But anyways, humble yourself and get some wisdom. Everybody, there's the lesson, right? David, he gives us an example of true repentance, right? David, a man after God's own heart, he humbles himself under the mighty hand of God, right? He takes responsibility for his actions, right? He doesn't blame God for the consequences of his actions. David picks himself up off of the floor and he moves on with his life, right? David ate his humble pie. You know, it's Thanksgiving. How many of you have been having pumpkin pie, apple pie, peach pie, cherry pie, blueberry pie? And how many of us having a little humble pie now? Right? What happened to these pants? They don't fit. Now that's your humble pie. Eat it, girl. Eat that humble pie. Go for a walk. <laughs> right? David eats his humble pie and he moves on with his life because he knows that God gives grace to the humble. God gives grace to the humble, right? Let's look at a few scriptures about humble yourself, right? Humble yourself. This is an attitude. This is a posture. This is us being aware 
of where we're at, humbling ourselves and moving on, moving forward, right? Proverbs 11.2, when pride comes swelling up with an arrogant attitude and self-importance, then comes dishonor and shame. Pride comes a swelling up, but with the humble, the teachable who have been shaped by trials and who have learned how to walk humbly with God, there is wisdom and there is soundness of mind. I need some soundness of mind. Seek wisdom. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Proverbs 29, 23. Arrogance will bring your downfall. But if you are humble, you will be respected. We want to be respected. Humble yourself. Be humble. Be teachable. Let me tell you, you know what? Kids can teach you something. Somebody can always teach you something. You never know it all. None of us do. Proverbs 3.34, God treats the arrogant as they treat others, mocking the mockers, scorning the scornful, but he pours out his grace on the humble, on the teachable. In the end, the wise will receive honor, but fools will face humiliation. Jesus said in Matthew 23.11, if you are recognized at all, because you got a million followers and you got a blue check and you're an influencer and you're all this. You are recognized. You are out in public and you get recognized. I mean, we're living in a generation. I met some girl. She was a young girl, very pretty. And she introduced herself to me at the bank that she's Instagram famous. I'm like, I know I'm old, but like what? <laughs> like, why would you introduce like I'm Instagram famous? And and it was just cute. I do think young people just want to talk to me and like share. I don't know, I have that like mom on my head, you know, anybody, you know. She's just like, I'm Instagram famous. And she was looking all homely, and I'm like, really? This, this is fame. Jesus is saying, if you're recognized for anything, but let me tell you, I bet she would never be recognized at her state like that in that moment. Because there's so many filters on these girls. You're like, who that? It, it's just wild to me. I'm Instagram famous. If you're, Jesus said, if you're recognized at all, let it be for your service, Right? Strength is for service, not for status. Let it be for your service. Delight in the one who calls you servant. That's why it is so humbling to become a parent, when, to, become, to serve in the children's ministry, because they don't care. You're going to poop and fart and burp and throw up and say, clean it up, servant. <laughs> Ma! Yes. It's very humbling, right? You humble yourself real quick. I don't know how many times I did this. Right into the diaper. Two fingers. Just, just look in there like, oh, is it something? No. If you smell anything, I don't care what it is. Just, just change. Change them. Change the whole thing. Put your gloves on, the mask on. Just get in and just change them. But do not do this. You know, you thought that was just a gas, and no, it's not. Now it's on your hand all day. Oh, 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 gosh, kids' class, humbling, humbling. And it's crazy because some of y'all is grown now. <laughs> but we won't say who you was. That's my fault. 
You just humbling me, having me eat my humble pie. Not that kind of pie. Anyways, Paul said, <laughs> Paul said in Romans 12, 16, live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty. We got these shirts, haughty. We got these uh, license plates, haughty. You're so haughty till you're old. Whatever. Do not be haughty, conceited, self-important, exclusive, but associate with humble people. Those who have a realistic self-awareness, self-view. Do not overestimate yourself. How many of you know we overestimate ourselves? We go back to pictures and you're like, oh, I just want to be skinny like I was that. That was an angle. It was the skinny filter. Look at the 500 other shots that you took, but that one when you were sucking it in real good. You were never that skinny. We see you 360. You only see you through that photo. <laughs> right? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I'm not. <laughs> let's, like, let's be real, guys. How many of you ready to be real and have real ones in your life, right? Let's be real. Don't overestimate yourself. James 4.10. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. You don't need to honor yourself. You don't need to lift up yourself. Humble yourself. Humble yourself before the Lord. He will lift you up. 1 Peter 5, 6, therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Set aside self-righteous pride so that he may exalt you. Who's going to exalt you? God is going to exalt you to a place of honor in his service at the appropriate time. At the appropriate time. Do not rush. Do not be in a rush. Let God promote you. God will promote you at the right time. It's that behind the scenes. It's that going through. It's that being shaped, being molded, right? Being humble, eating that humble pie, becoming great. Be great today. In the back, in service, at home, in your vehicle, with your money, with your finances, with your character, with keeping your word, with your posting, with your DMing. Be great today. Be great today. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. And God will exalt you to a place of honor in his service at the appropriate time. Casting all your cares, all your stress, all your anxiety to try to get ahead, to try to make a way for yourself, to try to find the one, to try to be the one. Cast all of your cares, all of your anxieties, all of your pressures on him. Because he cares for you with the deepest affection. And God is watching over you carefully. Because God cares about you. And God loves you. And God wants to promote you at the right time. Can you trust him? Can you trust him? Right? God wants to use you to impact this world in a big, big way. In a big way. But our job is to do what? humble ourselves. That's a hard job. If we're being honest, this is a, a, this is a, a daily job. This is a 
a choice that we have to make. Humble yourself, humble yourself, humble yourself, humble yourself, right? This is our responsibility because when we humble ourselves, then God can use us. Then we become usable. Instead of use me, God, use me, God, use me, pick me, pick me. God's saying, become usable. Become usable. Become who you're supposed to be in his service, in his kingdom, in his church, right? In his will being done in our heart and his will being done in our everyday lives. God, your will be done. God, your will be done. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to put away my selfish ambitions. I'm going to put away my selfish pride. And I'm going to let you promote me at just the right time. Because we have this great example of David. We've got Jesus. We've got Paul. we got Timothy. We've got so many people in the Bible to look to. And what are we going to do? We're going to humble ourselves. We're going to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And he gives grace to the humble. How many know we need grace upon grace upon grace upon grace, right? What do we got to do? Humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. How many of you guys enjoyed David, a man after God's own heart, right? David, our hero, a great example. Oh, I loved this series. I loved just digging into his life and going over it. I hope all of you guys did too. You guys received something tonight? Amen, amen. What we're going to do, humble ourselves. Amen. I love you guys. Have a great night. We'll see you guys all on Sunday. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.